The race for the White House officially begins in less than one week, and despite some prolonged jockeying over the election calendar, the long primary season will once again begin in Iowa. Uh, the lead contenders uh, were meeting supporters in Iowa over the weekend. Take a listen. This will be the biggest event in the history of our country. We have to win this, but this will be much bigger than if we did it the more traditional way. And I think we're going to do it. I've never seen spirit like this. Chaos follows him. And we can't have a country in disarray and a world on fire and go through four more years of chaos. We won't survive it. You don't defeat Democrat chaos with Republican chaos. That, of course, is uh, former South Carolina Governor Nikki Haley. And prior to that, of course, is former President Donald Trump, who is viewed as the clear front runner with uh, uh, former Governor Nikki Haley surging, albeit from uh, further back in the pack. And, of course, Florida Governor Ron DeSantis is throwing everything uh, at the Iowa race. Of course, this is all occurring as the U.S. Supreme Court says it will decide whether former President Donald Trump can be kept off the ballot because of his efforts to overturn the 2020 election loss, uh, which, of course, inserts the court squarely into the 2024 presidential campaign. Well, making sense of all this, of course, is Reggie Cicchini, Global News Washington correspondent. Reggie, thank you for joining us today. Thank you. Uh, A week today, we'll probably be talking again, and of course, it'll be uh, the day of the Iowa caucuses. How do things look from your vantage point as we have basically seven more days of, of politicking? Well, I mean, look, the Iowa caucuses are uh, important and not important for a couple of different reasons here. A week out, the importance here is that Donald Trump continues to lead uh, the Republican pack heading into uh, the first votes that will be cast of this um, election season. It's worth pointing out that the, the person leading the polls doesn't always win in Iowa. If we go back to 2016, Trump was leading. Ted Cruz won it. If you go back to 2012, uh, Mitt Romney was leading. Rick Santorum won it. But the numbers that Donald Trump is holding heading into this caucus a week from now, uh, you know, he's sitting around 51 percent. The closest person to him, Ron DeSantis, is around 18 percent. The question here is, does this really matter? It it is not really a a swing state. It is not a state that often uh, determines who the Republican nominee is going to be. And the second question is, if Trump doesn't do well for some reason in Iowa, does that impact him somewhere else around the country, like in the upcoming New Hampshire primary? So everyone's eyes are on Iowa. The big question is, what happens after Iowa? We're hearing a lot about um, the surge uh, from Nikki Haley. Um, If she's able to even pull ahead of Mr. DeSantis um, to second place, um, what does this mean for Mr. DeSantis? Uh, Because he's always viewed as the one who could take on Trump, the next person who's going to lead the Republican Party to the uh, uh, president's office, uh, and he's been struggling since day one. Sure, uh, he has been. I mean, look, Ron DeSantis, um, Florida Governor Ron DeSantis, has poured millions upon millions of dollars um, into Iowa in advertising, in a campaign staff uh, to be able to go out and, and door knock. He has crisscrossed that state. And in fact, he has spent more time in Iowa than in any other state around the country since his campaign started, probably with the exception um, of, of Florida. Uh, and his numbers are still trailing Donald Trump uh, by an incredible amount. There's a couple of different reasons for that. Is it because he pitched himself as Donald Trump, but Trump light? Uh, and some of the Republicans said, well, I mean, if you're going to be Trump light, then we don't want you. And if he pitched himself as Trump light, did other moderate Republicans say, well, we don't want Trump to begin with, so we don't want you. He really has struggled with momentum despite the, the amount of money that he has spent there. But also this 
this this kind of run from behind for for Nikki Haley. Yes, she is still trailing in third place compared to Donald Trump. She is just a few points, if not just more than a point behind Ron DeSantis. And it shows that there may be some interest here from at least moderates within the party for somebody who is a little bit more moderate, who originally ran on Trumpism, but is kind of starting to veer away from that. If, if Ron DeSantis loses here, the question is, does his campaign continue? Uh, because he has made almost no ground in New Hampshire. And if he doesn't have Iowa behind him, even if he comes in second to Trump, the question is, how far behind Trump does he come in second? If it's too much, this could spell the end. Uh, is there a sense of why Donald Trump has such a hold on on party membership? I mean, it, it's a question that we can go back to, to 2015. This was this was a presidential candidate long before he was president who was entering the race with significant numbers of controversies surrounding him. Those controversies stuck with him through his presidency, ultimately wound up in his loss that he contested in 2020. But the message that, that the system is rigged, the message that he is, uh, he is kind of a, a, a bullseye for, for democratic investigations, um, the people in his base feel that he has been done wrong, uh, and they like what he has to say, even though he doesn't really have a lot to show for what he has to say. Um, and, and, and that kind of that, that idea of Trumpism still being so strong around this country, regardless of who is the one at the top that's espousing it, um, it really does resonate with a good number of people around the Republican Party. The question to, to ask here, Jazz, is on Election Day, I mean, Trump is going in with 51 percent support. There is concern in the Trump party because we don't know if everybody who's supporting him is actually going to go out to caucus. Um, and, and there is a bit of fear amongst the Trump insiders within his team that if people don't come out to vote because they say, well, look, I'm going to support him in the general anyways. I don't need to support him in Iowa. A poor performance could impact him down the road, along with a series of, uh, of, of, of uh, legal challenges. Mm -hmm. um, but his hold is strong and his hold continues to be strong. Uh, you mentioned legal challenges. Uh, has there been any talk as to what people think may happen uh, moving forward? Uh, because uh, Mr. Trump uh, is already dealing with challenges in Colorado and I believe in Maine as well. And the Supreme Court of, of the United States is now probably going to have to step in and at least rule on some of this. Um, is there any worry that uh, this could have an impact on Mr. Trump if, 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 uh, if uh, things continue the way they are, particularly after Colorado uh, said what they said and Maine had said what they had to say in regards to not being able to run? Yeah, I mean, look, not only is it these, these questions of can he run on the ballot, I mean, Donald Trump, a week out from this, this, this caucus in Iowa, even if you ignore what's happening in Colorado and Maine. On Tuesday, he has a court hearing to find out whether or not he has blanket immunity for, for you know, charges for things that happened while he was in office, up to and including January 6th and election subversion. And on this coming Thursday, he'll be in New York City uh, as closing arguments begin in the New York City civil case against uh, Trump and, and his business practices. So, I mean, look, Trump heading into Iowa after having come out of two separate courtrooms for two separate cases, that is... I mean, it's weird. It, we, we don't see that in this country, but um, it's not impacting him. It's not impacting his ability to run. It may impact his calendar down the road, mm -hmm. uh, but he's still, uh, he's still making money off of this. He is still fundraising off of this. He is still getting the support from his base who says, look at the targets that they are putting on Donald Trump. Um, you know, legal circumstances or not, 
he has learned how to use the system in his best defense. Uh, and the numbers, at least in the polls to now, are showing that, that he knows what he's doing. Uh, tough question to answer. My final one to you. What do you think Canadians should make from all of this, the conversation with Mr. Trump, whether you work in the auto industry in Ontario, the forest industry here in British Columbia, and many other industries, many other sectors, what should we take from this conversation uh, in the United States over the next 10 months or so? I, I mean, look, there's a lot that can be put into what could happen uh, over the next 10 months. I mean, look, it's, it's one week to Iowa. Uh, tomorrow is 10 months to the election. And then Wednesday is the day after the election. And we don't know what's going to happen. If it's a, if it's a Joe Biden victory, if the Democrats continue to be in the White House, we'll continue to see Canada and U.S. roll their relationship along as they have been for the last X number of years. If this winds up being a Trump presidency, um, you know, do we wind up in situations where trade uh, becomes uh, a bargaining chip? For, for Donald Trump again. I mean, look at the trade matters that, that came up uh, during NAFTA negotiations. Look at the trade issues that came up between the United States and China that really still haven't been figured out, uh, despite the fact that Trump has been out of office uh, for so many years. You know, I think it's too early to speculate, you know, whether it's going to be some kind of doom and gloom scenario uh, the day after the election, regardless of who has won it. But what happens in the United States can have a spillover effect to other countries around the world who still sometimes look at the U.S. as this beacon of light for how to move forward with democracy. So whether it's simply bilateral relations or, or trade or how you know, election and election integrity is carried forward, um, what happens in the United States matters. Uh, and for people who say, well, look, you know, we don't live in the U.S., you know, we'll just focus on what's happening in Ottawa, uh, this is a close relationship. It's the longest undefended border in the world, and the two countries rely on each other. So whoever is in the White House um, can have a significant impact in what happens in Canada. Reggie, as always, thanks for your time. Appreciate it.